Last week, we started in on, on uh, Genesis chapter 14, and we've been going through the book of Genesis, for any that might not have been in here uh, up to this point, and just to kind of give everyone a reminder, good morning, of what all has been going on uh, in Genesis chapter 14. Uh, well, if you remember right, in Genesis chapter 13 uh, is where Abram and Lot had separated uh, because their, their possessions were so great that the land could not hold both of them uh, together because of, uh, of needs that the, their livestock had. Uh, there wasn't enough fields, enough water for all of them to be able to, to, to graze upon. And, and, uh, and also they had to, to split up. So in, in, um, in chapter 13, we have a uh, lot going down. You're, Abram basically uh, uh, puts it before Lot, says, look, look over the land and says, you know, pick for yourself where you want to go, and I'll go the opposite direction. And we discussed some about what was being said in that, but ultimately Lot had looked down towards uh, the, the area of Sodom and ultimately uh, moved down that, towards that way because of the green pastures and the abundance of water that they had down there. And so he uh, went down and had pitched his tent as far as Sodom, as the scriptures say. And then starting in, in chapter 14, uh, we find this great battle coming about. Ultimately, we have uh, the king of so- Sodom, and surrounding other uh, four uh, places and their kings grouping together uh, to fight against Catalamer and the other three kings that he had going along with him. Um, and they went out and, and had fought in the, in the Valley of Siddim. And ultimately, uh, Catalamer and his, his allies had come in and had defeated Sodom and Gomorrah and it says that they had taken, uh, taken plunder or, or taken uh, spoils of the war uh, from the land and ultimately had taken Lot and his possessions as well and, uh, and was traveling back home when one of the, the uh, servants of, of Lot had escaped and went and told Abram, and Abram saddled up and took... 318 trained men, and we had made mention of, of the fact that he had allies there. Uh, and it talks about the three allies that he had there, and they would have possibly given him men as well to go with him. Uh, and he went and fought uh, Catalamer and the other kings there and had overtaken them, taken Lot and, and the possessions and people and all that, that they had taken uh, back down towards uh, towards Sodom. And that's pretty much where we've gotten up to. Uh, last week we started to talk about in verse 18 uh, with Melchizedek. And, uh, but any other thoughts or comments before we get into Melchizedek again? All right, well, and we're just going to go ahead and read uh, verses 18 through 20 again because we started to get into this last week and didn't have time to, to finish out the, the aspect here of Melchizedek. It says, uh, Then Melchizedek, 
king of Salem, uh, Salem brought out bread and wine. Was, he was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. All right, so we started talking about, like I said, Melchizedek last week. Uh, did, I, I'm just going to open it up because I don't want to sit up here and preach to you tonight or this morning. It's already feeling like night, I guess. Um, but this uh, Melchizedek, what I had made mention last week, what his name actually meant. Does anybody know what that might have been? King of Righteousness. And the word Salem, where it says that he was uh, that Melchizedek, king of Salem. So Melchizedek means king of righteousness. But then we have that he was the king of Salem. Salem also meant something. What did that mean? Peace. There we go. So we could say that Melchizedek, king of righteousness and peace, ultimately, is what we have going on here. I'd also made mention of how that... Uh, in, in verse 18, it says that he had brought out bread and wine uh, to Abram. And honestly, it was something that I never really thought too much about until I was going back through this again for this class. And in a commentary I was reading, it made reference to how that this could have been a, a sign of something that was to, to be coming of. Uh, because we know that... Uh, over in Hebrews chapter 5 through 7, it talks about how that Christ was going to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so with that, we have Melchizedek bringing out bread and wine, which could have been representing uh, what we call now the Lord's Supper, how that he was bringing out uh, bread and wine to him. Don't know for sure if that's what it was trying to do, but very interesting thought there. Um, some would say that he was bringing out, that Melchizedek was bringing out bread and wine to, uh, to Abram and, and uh, this army that he had with him uh, to try to feed them because they might have been weary or what have you. But if you remember, uh, Abram would have, when they had fought uh, the kings here, uh, Catalamer, along with the others, that they had taken all the spoils of war from them that they had taken from Sodom and Gomorrah and possibly the six other uh, lands that, or places that they had fought against before they even got the, the valley, valley of Sodom. Um, so they had taken all these things from them, and they would have had you know, abundance of food to, to have been uh, able to have eaten and have been well fed. So that was just one of the comments that, like I said, the commentary I made there. Any thoughts or comments so far? Helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you bringing all that out as well. Um, and going along with that, uh, when you look at the, the last part of verse 18 there, where it, where it points out that Melchizedek was the priest of God most high, uh, going along with the thought <clears throat> or with the, the aspect of how that here is Melchizedek, who was a, a Gentile for sure because, I mean, the, the Jewish religion pretty much started with, well, 
the, the Jews went back to Abraham, followed their, their lineage you know, from there. But here we have Melchizedek, who is not a uh, relative of, of Abram, but ultimately he was a, a, a priest of the God Most High. <clears throat> and I think, uh, I think it was Karen, I could be wrong, it might have been somebody else, had, had even made mention of this last week, which I wanted to, to remind us all again this week as well, that this also shows us that uh, Abram would not have been the only one at this time who was following after the true one high God. But there was others as well. And I think it's important for us to realize this and make mention of this because as God, or as, as Jim had made mention of, that, that uh, God had a different uh, way for people to worship at this time uh, that, that was most likely going on throughout the whole uh, time throughout the Old Testament that we continue to read about that we don't really hear about, um, but you kind of see little bits and pieces of it in the background in a sense. But yes, we we need to remember that that just because Abram here, and it's focusing on Abram and and his lineage from here on out, um, doesn't mean that there's not others out there, other Gentiles out there that are still trying to follow God. Um, You know, we... We'll read of throughout the Old Testament many times of how the, the children of Israel would have um, would have disobeyed God and, and, and disappointed him and, and God punished them. But that doesn't mean that all of the children of Israel would have been disobeying him. Um, there still would have been a, a remnant there that was still uh, striving to abide by God's uh, law. Yes. Absolutely, and the whole reason why we have Abraham being called out was to uh, to follow the lineage of Christ. Ultimately, we have uh, Abraham being called out uh, in, in, into a whole um, uh, nation of people here, just for uh, so that we can have uh, Christ being born and and ultimately being the one that that takes away our sins, absolutely, because and uh, looking at, as you, what you were making mention of, uh, from God's perspective, you know, when you think about it in that aspect, you know, before the world was even, uh, before the foundations of the world was even laid, God knew that we were going to need uh, Christ. Um, but yet, he loved us so much that he went ahead and, and made us anyhow knowing that we were still going to fall, that we were still going to sin, we were going to need Christ, ultimately. Yes, very good. Thank you very much. Make sure I didn't miss out on anything here. All right. Yes, I, I think everything that I had listed on here was, was covered about Melchizedek, unless anybody else had anything else of, about Melchizedek here. But ultimately, uh, there the last part of, of verse 20 here we have uh, Abraham giving a tenth of all he had uh, to Melchizedek. Then we flip on over into uh, the next few verses. <clears throat> and in verse 21 it says, Now the, now the king of Sodom said to Abram, <clears throat> Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. One of the things that I find so uh, interesting here is that we have 
Melchizedek, uh, the priest of the high God, and what is he doing? He's bringing out and giving uh, uh, Abram food and drink, ultimately. All right, this is what Melchizedek's doing. He's bringing them something. He's giving them something. But yet we have the king of Sodom, uh, who we know Sodom was, was not a, a very uh, righteous place at all. Uh, they were very evil uh, in the deeds that they, they did. And we have here the king of Sodom saying what? He says, give me. No, don't. Give me them people back. You know, now he does say, you know, take the possessions for yourselves. But he's, he's wanting his people back. Give me those persons back. Uh, but going on it says, but Abram said to the, to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, that I, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you say, I have made Abram rich. Except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, Adner, Ishkel, and Mamre, let them take their portion. All right, so here we have, uh, you, like I said, uh, the king of Sodom coming to Abram saying, give me the persons back, but you can keep all the possessions. And Abram says, whoa, no, no, no. I, I told God that I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take anything uh, from you lest you say that I'm, you made me rich. Karen? Right. This would have been the captives that, uh, that Catalaomer uh, the king that had attacked them, had taken uh, pretty much because you know, you have here that the king of Sodom saying, you know, give me these people back, and we know that uh, that that Catalamer had taken Lot, um, and for them to have pointed out Lot and said, well, we'll just take him and his family and none of the other people, you know, I, I would have only imagined that they would have taken. You know, many captives, you know, whoever didn't uh, flee. Uh, so, yes, Abram uh, uh, giving them the people back, giving them the, the, the goods back that he would have brought back with him from, from the victory of Catalamer. Um, another thought that I had here, uh, in, you know, when you think about how that um, at the end of chapter 12, uh, or you know, the latter part of chapter 12, uh, when Abram and, and had, had traveled down into Egypt and ultimately, you know, well, we, I'm not going to get into the, to the, the, the little details here, but ultimately, you know, Sarah was taken uh, to the Pharaoh because uh, Abram had told him that it was his sister uh, rather than his wife. But if you remember, uh, the Pharaoh had... had continued to give him many gifts, and it talked about how much he had given him. And I find it interesting that it wasn't until after he got all these gifts that they went back to the same place they were at before they left to go down to Egypt, and now the land wasn't able to hold them all. It could have been that at that time, uh, in my head at least, and, I, and I'm just throwing this out, this is all conjecture, I'm not trying to say that this is what Scripture say. But it could have been at that time, uh, because right after all of that, when they get back to the same place they were at after leaving Egypt and coming back up, uh, 
that, that Abram went back and worshipped at the altar that he, he had built, uh, worshipped God there. And it could have been that uh, when Abram had, was worshipping God then, that he might have been like, you know what, all these possessions ain't, ain't all what they meant to be. You know, I, won't, I won't do this again. <laughs> and uh, although we'll, we'll see later on that he, when he goes to a different king, that he still uh, fails to, to say that, that Sarah was his wife, but I'm not going to get into that right now. But just, just the thought process here of, the, of him gaining goods and it didn't turn out good for him the last time because that meant that, that Lot and Abram had, had to split up. Now, I'm not saying that if he didn't take those goods that Lot and Abram still wouldn't have split up, but just, like I said, conjecture there. Um, but in giving uh, the king of Sodom back the goods that, uh, that he had taken from the spools of war from Catalamer, uh, he did make an exception here. It said, except for the provisions which the young men had eaten, and it also says that the men that were with me, uh, uh, basically from his allies, Adner, Ishkel, and Mamre, when you look over into uh, verse 3, or verse 13, when it talks about his allies there, uh, and, and the men that had went with him from them, says, let them take their portions of the spoils, basically. So, you know, he wasn't speaking for his, his three allies there, but they let them take spools if they wanted to take spools, <clears throat> and, uh, and left it off at that. <clears throat> All right. Any other thoughts or comments on chapter 14? Well, we've got a few minutes to get on into chapter 15 here. Verse 1 of chapter 15 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. All right. <clears throat> so here we have, uh, after these things that happened in, in chapter 14, after he got back and, and was uh, at home and uh, wherever he was at at this point in time, uh, we had the Lord coming to him in a vision saying, do not be afraid, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. One of the, the thoughts that, that is interesting here as far as uh, God being his great reward, because just as we spoke about just a minute ago, Abram gave back all the spoils that, would have, uh, that he would have had from the, the battle with Catalamer and the other kings and gave them back to Sodom, uh, to the king of Sodom. So he walked away with nothing more than what he'd taken with him. And so here God's coming to him and say, do not fear. I am your great reward. Not these possessions over here, but here I am. You're the, the spiritual reward here as far as um, God talking to him. But it's interesting, though, it says do not be afraid. You know, so one of the questions that we can ask here is, well, what was Abram afraid of? What was he, you know, what was God talking about? Do not be afraid. I am your great reward. Um, any thoughts on what, what we might have had going on here? From what I'd have read, some people might think that these uh, would be the fears that Abram may have had because of the war that, it would just, that had just taken place of, um, 
of others coming in and going to war with him, uh, possibly because of, of them hearing about him going to war or going up and, and battling with Cataleomer uh, and the other kings there. You know, maybe he was afraid of them coming back and, and trying to fight with him again. Uh, but uh, I think, and this is, like I said, just my personal opinion, uh, the answer is given in verse 2 uh, when Abram says, But Abram said to the Lord, Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Instead, one in my house, one born in my house, is is my heir. All right. So, in my thoughts here, um, the thing that Abram was fearing here was the fact that he doesn't have any kids. He doesn't have any children. No heirs here. That's all these things are going to be passed down to. That uh, uh, this, this promise of a of um, of a great nation, promise of of you know, his seed being a blessing to all of those uh, to everyone that he was given back in chapters prior. Um, so here he is asking God, you, know, what are you going to give me? For I, I have no child, you. Um, now. To my knowledge, I'm not too sure who Eleazar is, but uh, it is you know, thought that he was probably the chief servant uh, among Abram at this time, and that would have been his heir uh, that, that would take possession of all the things that he had here. Yes, I'm skipping a verse. Verse 4 says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Here we have God reaffirming him once again as he had done. Uh, well, not quite yet. But, uh, he's assuring him that no, Eleazar is not going to be your heir. You will have a son. He is going to be your heir. It'll be someone from your own body. Um, now, interestingly enough, it doesn't make mention of the fact that he's going to have an heir through Sarah here, but yet it's, you know, we can only assume that he would have known that. But at the same time, when you look at verse or chapter 16 and what's going on there, it could have been that he didn't quite understand where this error was going to come from, but he knew it was going to be from him. Let me get to verse 5. Actually, let me get to verse 6, and I'm going to open it up to you guys. Uh, so verses 5 and 6 says, Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward, the, toward heaven and count the stars. If you are able to number them, if you are able to number them, and he said to him, So shall your descendants be. All right, so verse 5, we have God taking him outside and saying, look up at the stars. If you can number the stars, so shall your descendants be. Uh, this is uh, mindful of, of what had happened over in chapter 13 in verse 16 when God tells him that the descendants will be as the dust of the earth. Uh, 
once again, just making mention of the numerous uh, descendants, how, how large of a nation he'd become. But verse 6, uh, I think, is very powerful in the aspect that it says, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it uh, to him for righteousness. So after the Lord uh, pointed this out to him and told him this, that he believed. He said that he believed in the Lord, or believed what the Lord had said, and, and that the Lord had accounted it to him for, right, for righteousness. Pretty interesting aspect there. Uh, as far as promise, Jim, it looks like you got some. Right. It also, you know, it, at least to me, it gives me comfort knowing that, you know, man, you know, I struggle just like Abraham struggled. You know, I mean, maybe not with the same struggles that he struggled with, but, you know, we all have struggles and that even though Abraham being a, a great man of faith that's pointed out many times within the New Testament, uh, we see that he struggled just as well. Do you have something else? Right, no, he, he definitely doesn't need our help. Matter of fact, when, as we go through Genesis and we look at times, well, well we think that we're going to help God out. <laughs> it only messes things up even worse. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, our time is up, so thank you for all your comments and attention.